We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee that is located in the capital of California in Sacramento. We're going to preview the 49ers Seahawks game. Going to do it a little bit differently today. We're going to do pick six first. Tyler, don't drop the thing yet. Wait to drop the thing. We're going to do pick six first, but there's a thing that gets dropped and it's awesome. Uh, We're going to do that, but don't do it yet. And then we'll get into our interview with Mike Salk. Mike is the host of the Mike Salk show on 710 ESPN. That's up in Seattle. He also hosts the Brock and Salk, Brock and Salk podcast with Brock Heward. Um, there aren't a lot of people I'm aware of who can talk about Seattle sports the way Mike Salk does. Super good conversation. Really, really enjoyed chatting with him about the Seahawks short-term, long-term, and kind of what's going wrong with them this year. So pick six first, then we'll get into our Mike Salk chat. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. segment here and then we're gonna have to tell tyler to drop it because we just had the show intro and so now we got to space it out and then and then as i knock my microphone off my desk and then yeah okay so let's so let's well you saw me pondering like i was looking off in the zoom i was looking off into the middle distance i know i felt like i I needed to i needed to jump start this thing no you're fine it's just (laughs) silence is better than um so I just let the silence bake while I figure out because I was I went in and was like, OK, cool, we'll just do pick six. But then, like you said, there needed to be a little buffer right? before we we're just like, all right, it's time for pick six because that that's just not how it works. It wouldn't sound very good. So Tyler, drop so, that. <laughs> yeah, do it. And this is going to be a pick six off to the races. And it's a pick six. 
49ers. Believe it or not, folks, that was all improv. We didn't write that down. Yeah, we're a real comedic duo. We're absolutely crushing it. Laurel and Hardy, just at our best. Let's do pick six for this week's game between the 49ers and Seattle Seahawks. Quick prediction, Debo Samuel not going to get chosen. He is not playing per head coach Kyle Shanahan. And it still wouldn't surprise me if he had like three carries for 38 yards. <laughs> Even if he's inactive. <laughs> just, he's been that productive this Just year. in street clothes. Yeah, just runs just out go. there in, in a track jacket and some designer jeans and yeah, just gets it done. Those designer sneakers he likes to wear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This runs through uh, a few dudes. George, George Kittle, after the last game, saying that Debo's outfit just looked expensive was funny because it super did. Well, his chain looked very expensive. That was yeah, the cause... thing. He had this big, it was like the size of a hydro flask uh, cap. Just like on his chain, that would that looked all, you know, looked like mostly diamonds. That chain costs more than my house, like for sure. I I mean, you live in Northern California. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if like Debo's got Debo's. You know, he makes nice money. He he's signed a very nice contract as a second round pick. But I can't imagine he's he's got six figures around his around his neck like that. That would be. Mm. I mean, maybe, Mm. but that anyway he's He's not not getting picked this week right (laughs) so let's let's start this off i'm gonna start because i'm picking first i'm going with elijah mitchell because i think the 49ers with no debo samuel are going to turn to the run game maybe even more than they have although that's gonna be a little difficult to do last three weeks they've gone 42 carries 42 carries and 39 carries Elijah Mitchell, though, he's going to get the workload. He already has more games with 17 or more carries than any other running back in the Shanahan tenure, and he's played nine games. It's it's unreal how, how much of a workload he's getting. He's got 27 carries in back-to-back games, the only player to reach that mark for the 49ers in the regular season. So Mitchell's going to get a ton of touches against a not-very-good Seahawks defense, and I think he's going to have a huge day. So he is my first pick. All right, so my first pick, I'm going all hipster on this pick six, by the way. Oh, the, oh, I this is great. This is this is going to be all... I'll, I'll join you after this. Okay. Um, Kyle, do you know who the 49ers' fourth highest grade, highest graded offensive player on pro football focus is? Fourth highest? Yeah. Trent Williams got to be one. Yep. His grade is comical. Like, it it's is. actually funny. It is. But... Um, fourth highest graded player, Kyle Juszczyk? Nope. Who is it? It is Charlie Warner. Oh, you stop it. (laughs) He's the seventh highest graded tight end in run blocking in the NFL. In terms of grades, he's the eighth highest graded tight end in all of the league. Just in terms of grades. Overall? Overall. And he doesn't, he's got like, I don't even know his catch numbers, but he's got like two or three. Um, he had a big one against the Vikings. And his second and third highest grades of the season came in the last two weeks. Um, so to your point about Elijah Mitchell and how the 49ers are going to rely on the running game, I think they're going to rely heavily on Charlie Warner to be a part of that um, because he's been playing more recently. Um, he only got six snaps the last time the Niners played the Seahawks. 
I think that changes. I think he's going to be up to the 30, maybe 40 snaps like he had in uh, in uh, against Indian and, and Chicago. And I think if there are going to be some explosive runs, you might see some uh, some Charlie Warner blocks as a part of them. So I'm going Charlie Warner. I love that. End. I love that because <laughs> Debo's got like what six or seven targets to to get distributed out. And I could see Charlie Warner getting a couple of looks in like two tight end sets. Plus, like you said, the run blocking. I actually really, really enjoy this pick. I question the value, but I enjoy the pick a lot. Are we going? Okay, hang on. Let's pause. You didn't love me. I I got my picks made, so I really don't want you to pick mine because I've I've done research and I have notes. Okay, so I plan on picking. They're all hipster picks. Okay. I think you got to go chalk. <laughs> okay. But my last one is going to be a little hipster. So we'll see Okay, if, if I, if I take one of yours, so I'm going to continue going chalk here for the sake of the bit. Okay. Um, Thank you. Brandon. Ayuk is my next pick because he's now the 49ers number one receiver over the last four weeks. He has 19 catches for 291 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He's just been really, really good. And he's starting to get targeted more. And that was with Debo Samuel on the field. I think we saw a little bit the last couple of weeks with Debo making such a, such an impact as a runner where he was basically a non-factor in the passing game. I think that we've seen what Ayuk's role in this offense would look like in a world without Debo Samuel against Jacksonville and Minnesota. Ayuk had 13 targets, 10 catches, 176 yards and a touchdown. I think that he's going to get in the 9 to 11 target range against a Seahawks secondary that's not very good. And it wouldn't surprise me if he went over 100 yards, caught a touchdown. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have a huge day. I like it. Not as much as the pick that I'm going to make, but I like it. One, one thing, one thing I want to try. Uh, I want, I like the game where I try and guess. <laughs> uh, one thing that's notable about Brandon Ayuk. That Minnesota game when he's like blocking Patrick Peterson super hard and like getting in dudes faces and drawing a personal foul from Harrison Smith, who's like an established veteran in the league. Like I should not be throwing hands like that. Like that to me is an indicator that maybe whatever was happening early on in the season with Brandon Ayuk and his level of engagement or buy-in or whatever um, that might that might be changing, right? Like his, the yeah. fact that he's blocking dudes to the ground um, and, and willing to fight is, is something I think that's positive just overall outside of, you know, the production increases. Do we have to issue something of an apology to Kyle Shanahan? No. Are we not there yet? Let's elaborate. Because we, we kind of dragged Kyle Shanahan for how he handles young players and basically said he was ruining Brandon Ayuk. I didn't say he was ruining Brandon Ayuk. I just I might have. I thought he should have he should have been getting more from Brandon Ayuk early in the season. Sure. Okay. Like and that that's just That's fine. And ultimately he's responsible for Brandon Ayuk. He drafted him. So Yeah. If Brandon Ayuk right. is not, you know. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I I'm whatever not, he whatever he did needs an apology. Whatever he did seems to be working. So yeah. shout out. 
Who is your, give me a hint about your fourth pick because I want to try and guess or your second pick fourth pick overall. You took Charlie Werner with your first. It's a, it's a hipster pick. So if you're, if you're just looking at it from a hipster perspective, there are a few pretty obvious candidates. I'll just Juwan Jennings. Oh, he's not this pick, but he was the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this pick is Lakin Tomlinson. Okay. He had his second best pass blocking win rate of the season against the Seahawks when they met uh, in week four. Um, Kyle, do you know who like the Seahawks best defensive players have been this season? DJ reader. Is he on their team? I thought they had DJ Reed and DJ Reader. Well, I think Al Woods and Puna Ford have been probably their two best players. Oh, Puna Ford, Texas legend, and Al Woods, I believe, is a Tennessee Titans legend. Go on. Um, well, they both play defensive tackle. So for the 49ers to do what they want in the run, which you and I have both established that the 49ers are more than likely going to establish the run, it's gonna it's gonna require another good game from Lincoln Tomlinson. And um Frankly, he's just a really solid guard. And I really wonder, good player. I wonder, you know, because he's going to need to make some money at some point. Um, I think he's up after next season or maybe even this. I forget. Uh, but you do wonder about the if Aaron Banks is one of the reasons why they drafted Aaron Banks is because they might have been preparing for a world without Lake and Tomlinson. So that's just something to keep an eye on. And that's way in the future. But Lakin Tomlinson's good. And uh, and the 49ers are going to need him on Sunday. I agree with you. And he's actually, like, just kind of looking ahead. He is one of the most, like, fascinating... Um, one of the most fascinating offseason decisions for the 49ers, I think. Is he's up after the season, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's playing, like you said, really, really well. I love I'm that. Pick. that up right now. Real quick, just a yeah. quick correction. DJ Reader plays for Cincinnati, who the 49ers face next week. So all that, all that is D- not D-line is tape not. just kind of just gets jumped yeah, up in your head. I'm just been, yeah, I've just popped in so much tape over the last couple of days that, you know, like, like, yeah, the Seahawks are coming up, but also I'm on to Cincinnati. Right. To quote Bill Belichick. Right. Love the Lake and Tomlinson pick. I'm not even sure. Like that's a hipster pick just in, in that. I mean, he's a guard. There's like, it's that's a, the right. most hipster it's a, it's position. A guard. In the yeah. But he's, he's also like really good. Charlie Werner to me is like a hipster, hipster pick. Lake and Tomlinson is, I think just a really solid pick. Okay. Fair. We're not going to be able to quantify it at all. Maybe like, no, I'm, but Hey, you believe, believe <laughs> I am watching him very closely. <laughs> Yeah. Like, don't even I'm not even I'm not watching the ball at all. I'm watching Lake and Tomlinson move around. So, see I, how he how he gets in his sets quickly and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How well does he anchor? <laughs> right. I want to know that kind of stuff. Right. Um, getting to the second level, pulling offensive line terms. Uh my <laughs> my third pick, my last pick, the fifth overall pick, I'm going with Jaquaski Tart, who I don't think has gotten picked yet in pick six. I don't believe so. I love I, I'm I'm in on Jaquaski Tart this week with with so many linebackers out, no Fred Warner, no Dre Greenlaw, Marcel Harris probably out. 
I think you're going to see a lot of three safety stuff with Jaquaski Tart and Talanoa Hufanga on the field. And whether it's Tart making a play in the box or intercepting an overthrow from Russell Wilson or breaking up a deep shot to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, I just think that there are going to be a ton of opportunities for Jaquaski Tart to make an impact on Sunday. So it wouldn't even surprise me if the Niners used him as like a de facto linebacker a couple times, just down in the box, uh, especially in, in like a third and long situation. So uh, the Seahawks offense has not been very good. The Niners defense is banged up. And I think an experienced player like Jaquaski Tart is somebody that they'll be able to move around a little bit and, and take advantage of his versatility. So Jaquaski Tart is my selection. I like it. I think there's a possibility with the way Russ is playing that Niners could, could intercept some passes on Sunday. Um, I agree. So my pick is not a mystery. It's Juwan Jennings since he already figured that one out. Um, he's gotten targets in the last three games. He got three against Minnesota, two of which came in the end zone, both of which were high-quality throws in key situations from Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jennings nearly came down with one of the best Niners touchdowns of the season if his knee was an inch or two more in, you know, inside, not didn't yeah. land on the sideline. Um, so with Debo Samuel out, I think there's an opportunity for, for Jennings to – to take advantage and that would be that would be a you know, Jawan Jennings put, has potential to like really become a key part of the offense I think with Muhammad Sanu out uh with Debo Samuel out the 49ers need a number three receiver and you know, this week they need a number two receiver and Kyle Shanahan likes him for the way he blocks the 49ers are going to run the ball a ton so he'll be on the field a lot and then I think you can utilize him in key situations like he was a third down target early in that Minnesota game and a tight window throw from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I said, he got those two red zone targets. So, you know, we, we remember like Kendrick Bourne was sort of like a fringe guy on the rotation. And then just sort of mm -hmm. as time went on evolved into the 49ers number three receiver. That seems like it's possible with Jawan Jennings. And yeah. I know he's only had, you know, one catch, one catch, two catches in the last three games. Um, and what he's got seven on the season for 62 yards, but just in terms of how this receive, what this receiving core could look like, you know, if the 49ers get to the playoffs, like it very well could be that Juwan Jennings has played himself to, into that number three receiver role. Um, which is why I think now that Samuel's out, this will be a good opportunity for him to, to make a stake to, uh, to get more playing time. Yeah. And I just, I, I love the, the pick because in the red zone, he's going to be a factor. We saw that against Minnesota. Both of his targets came in the red zone uh, or two of his three targets came in the red zone. And I just think his playing style is really conducive to filling in some of the, some of the roles that Debo Samuel had, you know, just these little tunnel screens or, or slants on, on third and short. Uh, he's a big bodied physical receiver, you, you, you see it in his college tape and now that he's able to play, because remember, this is his second year in this offense. Like he's not a rookie. He's been around. He knows the system. So I, I really, really like this pick from you. Um, and I, I, I think it could really, really wind up paying off. We need to mention George Kittle, even though neither of us picked him. <laughs> well, I went all hipster. I, I let I left yeah. the shock candidates for you. George yeah, Kittle, Nick Bosa, undrafted. Tough scene for, for those guys. 
Yeah. So when I was kind of mapping out who I was going to take, I didn't think I was going to get a chance to take Ayuk, which was, which is fine, but I was planning on taking Tart last because I had been going kind of off the beaten path with my last pick. And then you flipped the whole bit on its head and, and really threw me off and I forgot uh, George Kittle. So I'm a competitor. Yeah, no, you, you really, you really are. And you threw me out. You did big time. You were like, this is not the tight end you're looking for. And I was like, Charlie (laughs) Werner. So (laughs) no, I, I just, if we're, if we're previewing this game in in this, in this way, you have to mention George Kittle. Right. Yeah. I mean, no Debo Samuels. No, I mean, who, who is though? Well, I mean, Uh, Kittle, Kittle's going to get a ton of work. Kittle's going to get a lot of targets, which is one of the, another reason why I felt good about Jennings. But yeah, Kittle's going to be the number one option. Like that's that's the whole point. Like the reason why you have so many playmakers, and you know, like a good group of pass catchers or just skill guys now with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. If you're missing one of those guys, then you do have enough horses to to keep the offense moving. Um, yeah. And I think they could do that. And I think part of that's going to come with obviously more targets for George Kittle. Uh, and then maybe Juwan Jennings getting, getting a little bit more in the mix. Yeah. Last three weeks for Kittle, only 13 targets, which is just super abnormal for him. That's about four a game, um, 10 catches, 97 yards, a couple touchdowns, like just not what we're used to seeing from him as a receiver. And I think we see one of those 10 target, nine catches, 110 yard kind of games from him. Um, and if aside- they don't get one from IU. And aside, and this is this is a little bit random, and maybe I should have mentioned it when you picked him, but like there's a pretty good chance Elijah Mitchell kind of becomes a star over these next two and three years, right? Yeah, I like think he's getting there now. Like he's about yeah. to he's after this week, prediction time. After this week, he's gonna be leading the NFL in rookie rushing yards. Yeah. And there's I, I, I barring injury, he's gonna cruise to like eleven hundred. Yeah. I mean, he's I, I was really impressed with the game he had against Minnesota. He was so good. Yeah. That just every every cutback was right. Every you you mentioned it on on the post game pod, but like every time he runs into the line where it's like, okay, there's a yard, it's three or four. Right. And that the that second and nine, the difference between second and nine and second and six is massive. Yeah. And it's a huge part of their success. And it's largely because of him. I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, hopefully he stays healthy for the 49ers. Cause that I, he, he, like you look at this draft class, like there's a pretty reasonable chance. Elijah Mitchell's like the late round gem of this class that we think about a few years. From the now. whole class. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, you have a prediction. Yeah. I, I think the 49ers are going to win, but I, you'll, you'll hear Mike Saul talk about this in a minute, but like the Seahawks and Niners just always play close games. It wouldn't be a shock if Seattle won, but I, I do think the Niners win. I think it's going to be something like 27, 24 or one of those, one of those, I'm actually close. it's a Seahawks game. It's a Seahawks game. So hang on, let me, let me adjust my score prediction. Um, 49ers, 29 Seahawks, 25. <laughs> Is that scoregami? That feels like a scoregami. It, it might be, and the Niners get to 29. Let's see, it's a Seahawks game. So we get a, we got a, let's see, carry the one. You get to so 23 they and get then a it, touchdown with a failed two-point conversion or something? No, I was thinking they're at 27, they get a safety. 
Oh, wow. It's a big play. <laughs> yeah, they get a safety to make it, what did I say, 29-25? To make it 29-17 with like three minutes to go. And then Seattle gets like a huge kickoff return and scores a touchdown and oh, gets is... a two-point to make it 29-25. It's got to be weird. very specific. Yeah, it's it'll be weird. weird... Yeah. Yes, I'm just trying to make okay. up weird stuff that happens. So, Okay. Uh, I There's... think the Niners are going to win. I think it's going to look like the Bears game. I think hmm. the I think there's a chance that the Niners come out flat in the first half and it's close in the first half and then the Niners just kind of figure it out in the second. Um and I think the Seahawks offense has a chance to move the ball a little bit like Justin Fields did on the 49ers defense in that game. Um and so I ultimately I think that that's what this game i that's how i think it's going to play out like the night it's going to be close in the first half niners are going to pull away in the second once they realize they they just need to run the ball and and control the tempo and um you know maybe like they get over they they overcome a first half turnover or something like that but yeah they gotta they gotta win the turnover battle that's it it's like the lamest analysis ever but like it's it works truthful it's never wrong you're never wrong if you say they need to win the turnover battle like You're I was racking my brain sometimes, but I, I was racking my brain about the Minnesota game before it happened. And I just kept like looking at, it. I was like, Minnesota does not turn the ball over. And the Niner, like you just have to flip that. If you're going to beat them, you have to flip it. The Niners win the turnover battle. They get 10 points off their two turnovers ends up being really big in the game. So it's like, it's not like super heady analysis to break down the turnover battle, but that's just what it is particularly with the Niners team that basically lost games because of the turnovers earlier in the season. And especially with this Niners team, like the way they're built, like the margin for error is just so small for them, Yeah. especially offensively. Like if they get behind, they're not built to play from behind. And I think that's part of the reason that we see this whole quarterback change is because when they get down 10, nothing, it's like, well, this is going to be really tough. They're going to need a turnover to, to get back in this one. And when they, when they, like you saw it against Minnesota, when they create short fields, they've, they're really good in the red zone. Uh, they, they typically turn it into points. So yeah, if they, if they win that turnover battle and give themselves a couple extra possessions and just continue chewing time of possession, it just shortens the game even more than, than they're already doing. So I, I think it's always the case, like win the turnover battle, but with this Niners team, it's, it's just like a, a more of a fact, if that's even a thing. Niners are 11th in scoring, 11th in opponent scoring, 12th in yardage on offense, and 6th in defense, defensive yardage. Just pure yardage size. Jeez. Does it seem like a top 10 defense to you? The Niners? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a top 10 defense. No. No, it doesn't at all. But, but... I, I do think, I mean, it's been it's probably been playing better than, like, I think they have issues. They're better than the raw stats. Yeah, they're better in the, the yeah. I mean, I think they have issues for sure, but I I think they do deserve a little bit of credit cuz for I mean, they've gotten two turnovers in the last three games. Mhm. The defense in each of the last three games. Yeah. Yeah, they they're six in the last three weeks. Yeah, and they they get enough pass rush and although one of them was special teams, right? The Jacksonville Trencher field one. Yes. Anyway, Teams counts. Special teams counts. Third of the game. Teams. Let's get out of here. Shout out to Richard Hightower. Let's talk to Mike Salk, who will join us 
momentarily. But first, let's talk about TickPick. Hey, guess what, everybody? The 49ers are back in the playoff race. They're actually the number six seed after beating the Vikings. And maybe now you want to get out to a game. Or maybe with the holidays coming up, you want to get some 49er tickets for that special 49er fan in your life. Well, hey, guess what? You should use TickPick.com to acquire those tickets. And let me tell you why. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those, those like fees and charges at the end of, you know, you go and you find your tickets, you find these awesome seats and you get a price and you go and you look, and then the price is way more than you were anticipating paying because of all those fees. Well, TickPick got rid of those. It's unbelievable. What you see on the seat, your ticket, that's what you're paying. They've eliminated the fees. They've eliminated the surcharges. And it allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Now, the 49ers are going on the road for two weeks. They're going to be in Seattle, and then they're going to be in Cincinnati. And then they come home to face the Atlanta Falcons, who are also in the thick of the playoff race. So that could wind up being a huge game. And you're going to want to get your tickets now because those tickets are going to go fast. So head down to tickpick.com slash candlestick right now. Go do that. Get tickets for yourself. Get tickets for your friends or your family. All the special 49ers fans in your life with holidays coming up. This is a perfect way to show them how much you care. So check that out at tickpick.com slash candlestick today and save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's tickpick.com slash candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike Salk is here. He is a host at 710 ESPN in Seattle, host of the Mike Salk Show. You can hear that 6 to 10 a.m. Mike, thanks for hopping on with us and being willing to talk about this year's Seattle Seahawks. I didn't say I was willing to talk about the Seahawks. I said I was willing to come on with you because I like you. 
But sure. I don't know whether I'm willing to talk about the Seahawks. I don't know if anybody is. Hey, hey Robbie Ray, let's talk Mariners. Let's go. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a half hour on how excited I am about Robbie Ray and his tight pants. The, Mar- the Seahawks, they're in, the, they're in a little bit of a different situation right now. So I, I'm curious, like, I think the overarching question is just, like, how bad is this? Like, is this something where it's so bad it's got to be blown up as soon as possible? Or does Pete Carroll have enough equity, given how long he's been there and how successful he's been, that, all right, maybe if if he can't rebound in, in 2022, then give him next season just because that's sort of the guy he's been? Yeah, um, I think the answer to that is is yes, a little bit, right? I mean, both of those things can be a little bit true at the same time. You know, I, I, I think we've sort of lost the ability to criticize without immediate need to blow things up. What's happened with the Seahawks, not just this year, but over the last few years, isn't good. There have been major problems with their personnel. They've drafted poorly, essentially for a decade since the gigantic 2012 draft, free agent issues, trade issues. I mean, they've really had all kinds of problems with personnel. Uh, Their scheme issues and coaching issues, for sure. Russell Wilson is not playing like Russell Wilson, right, as an elite franchise quarterback, one of the best in the game. So by that account, you've got major problems, all of which are worthy of criticism, and there needs to be a level of accountability for all of them. But the next question is, do you need to blow it up? And I think there my answer is still no. I don't know that any of those three major players need to lose their job, certainly not Pete Carroll. I mean, in my view, Pete is the one who's actually – look, Pete's Pete's paid to be the leader of a franchise, and I think he's an excellent leader of a franchise. That hasn't stopped. That hasn't changed. That hasn't gone away. Pete may be 70 years old, but he's got more energy than the three of us put together. He understands the game as well as anyone. You can quibble with whether or not his philosophy of running the ball is outdated, but you're wrong if you say that. And certainly in San Francisco and what you've seen with your running game and what's happened with the Rams over the last few weeks when their running game has gone away, Pete's right on his philosophy. It's the smart people out there who were so excited about throwing the ball every single time that I think have this thing wrong. Pete wants balance. So I, I think you've got problems. Unless you've identified somebody that you think can come in and do a better job than the guy who's had, what, the second most success in this league over the course of the last decade, I, I, I think you have to stick with Pete Carroll, and you've got to continue to let him and or Russ try to figure this out. I want to talk real quick about Russell Wilson. He's been struggling a little bit lately, especially since coming back from the finger injury. Do you think that it's related to that finger injury or was this something you saw kind of coming before that again yes both um his struggles have been amplified by the finger injury because you can see the just the issues with the accuracy i mean he had gerald everett wide open on like a six seven yard pass last week and missed him by more than six or seven yards i mean that you guys have watched russ over the course of his career say what you want about him he's not a perfect quarterback no one is but he's deadly accurate, right? I mean, like that's mm-hmm. one of his absolute calling cards is his efficiency and his accuracy. And it just hasn't been there since hurting the finger. I don't know why Russell was so obsessed with trying to show the world that he could come back before you're supposed to be able to come back from this injury. It's bizarre. The injury is a four to eight week injury. Russell somehow managed to mind more people into thinking that it's a six to eight week injury, which it's not. And then he's an amazing superhuman of hero of some sort 
because he came back after four weeks. I just don't get it. it it's bizarre. It's like he's trying to show he's Wolverine. So I, I, yeah, the finger is definitely a problem. He's also not really played well for about a year. And he hasn't played terribly in every game. It's not been like, you know, completely falling off a cliff. But he's not been the same player for a while now. And he seemed in between. Uh, you know, he went this offseason and demanded a new coordinator and wanted to have something to do with the process. And I wouldn't say he hand-selected Shane Waldron, but he obviously had a role in, in that type of a process. And he just doesn't seem to have the same level of confidence in his throws and his decision-making. And that's not the Russell Wilson that we all know. Now, he's got other issues, too. His offensive line is not great, but it's been not great for five years. Why all of a sudden does he not look like the same quarterback? I don't think any of us know the answer to that, but it's a huge issue. So one thing that's that's always worth noting when the Niners and Seahawks play, like since since that NFC championship game after the 2013 season, they've played 15 times and the Seahawks are 13 and two. Um, so with all of this being said, with how badly they're playing and how things seem sort of systemic at its core. Is there still a sense of confidence among the Seahawks that like, you know, we, we tend to play pretty well against the 49ers. Like they, they, it, as bad as things are going, is there some sort of confidence behind the scenes that like, all right, maybe this is our get right game because we see it in the NFL all the time where teams kind of snap back after some struggles. And we saw it with the 49ers, a few Monday nights ago against the Rams. So is that a possibility in your mind coming up on Sunday? Well, a couple of things. Yeah. 13 and two with one of those two losses being that play at the goal line a couple of years ago that kept the Seahawks. Right from winning. And that was, I'm still not sure they got that call. Right. I mean, it was, I'm not saying they got it wrong, <laughs> but I'm not sure they got it right. Right. Like it was like, it was so close with Hollister at the goal line. So, um, are the Seahawks confident or are their fans confident? I think I'm not sure what you're asking in terms of the fans. I don't think anybody in Seattle feels confident about anything right now, but okay. look, the NFL is a matchup league. The Niners match up really well with the Rams. Seahawks tend to match up really well with the Niners and the Rams match up really well with the Seahawks. So yeah, it, 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 it there seems to be a, a little like a transitive property issue right now in the NFC West where these three teams all seem to have each other's number and somehow Arizona is like unscathed. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I never would have thought that we'd live in a world where Arizona was the most stable team in the NFC West. But I, I, I think that there's a sense that if they're going to bounce back, the, the Niners are a good opportunity for them to do so. Um, as bad as they've been, even this last week, I mean, the Seahawks were awful on Monday night. I don't know if you watched that game. They couldn't move the ball. Their offense looked worse in that game than they did the previous or two weeks earlier when they got shut out by Green Bay. That's how bad the offense looked in that game. And yet they lost by two points. They had a, a final drive down the stretch with an opportunity on a two point conversion to, to tie that game. So yeah, as bad as they've sort of frustrated everybody, teams generally don't get blown out in the NFL. And so it's a matter of a play or two here or there. And if they can make those plays against the Niners, they've been pretty good against Garoppolo. You know, obviously last time Garoppolo got hurt and Trey Lance was not ready for prime time in that game. Talk about accuracy issues. So yeah, I, I, you know, as much as I don't necessarily, I don't know if I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this week. It wouldn't surprise me if they won this week. Not at all. When the Niners and Seahawks played in week four, the big, the big question was the Seahawks defense. It was just, they were like putting up record numbers of yards and points allowed. Now it sounds like their offense is kind of the bigger issue. Which one do you think going into Sunday, would you say is the, 
kind of bigger issue for Seattle right now. Yes, again. No, I'm uh, <laughs> man, no, I'm bo- crushing this. No, both are both are <laughs> issues, but the it's not close. It's the it's the offense. I mean, that, that what's happened to this offense? It's quite frankly shocking. I mean, right. the offensive line's not good, but it shouldn't be this bad. You still have DK Metcalf. You still have Tyler Lockett. Gerald Everett's a good player. Your running game is hurting. Obviously, your running backs haven't, you know, they've all been hurt. looks like Rashad Penny might actually be able to play this week, which would be helpful. But you can't tell me that, like, not having your running backs should make it this challenging for you to move the ball up and down the field. Something has gone wrong with this offense. And I get the sense that when they figure it out, they'll kind of start to bust out and look like a normal team once again. But it's not close. I mean, the defense has its issues, no, no doubt. It's not certainly a legion of boom style defense. They don't get to the quarterback the same way. They struggle against the run, but they seem to have, you know, in big moments, they bend, but don't break. They play well in the red zone. They find a way to limit the points, get an occasional big turnover, but it's the offense, man. It it, it just doesn't look right. And until Russell looks right, the Seahawks won't look right. Is there a possibility that Russ just wants out after the season, no matter what happens, like even if they sure. rebound towards the end of the season, like is well, there's definitely that possibility. It may even be true already. I mean, look, if you heard the, you know, the, the, the tweet last year with the, with the four teams that he'd be willing to, even though he didn't want to go there, he'd be willing <laughs> to go there. Um, and then, you know, when you hear Colin Cowherd, who, you know, his agent, Mark Rogers has a direct line to Colin and a direct line to Mike Florio. I mean, like you can always tell when Russell's, guy his agent is out there kind of speaking his mind so would it shock me if russell wanted out no not at all but how'd that work out for aaron Rodgers? you can want out all you want he's under contract for two more years with however many years of a franchise tag after that so you can complain all he wants to i mean like aaron Rodgers eventually came back and played and guess what they might be the best team in the nfc do you think that sunday is a back against the wall got to win out to make the playoffs type of game or is it a we're three and eight that was last week man they had their back against the wall got to win out like that i think that ship has sailed i mean it you know maybe pete's viewing it that way because he's Pete carroll and always compete and you know but i don't think there's any fan in seattle who thinks that there's still a shot of this team making the playoffs it feels like as as somebody who on the outside and just knowing that Russell Wilson is there and what he's capable of and what DK Metcalf is capable of and Tyler Lockett and just the fact that, like you said, if they figure it out on, offensively, it wouldn't be a surprise if they just went on this tear where they were scoring 35 points a game. Like, it's always just, I know it's not likely, yeah. but if like Look, any guy was going to do it. Kyle, there's just so many teams ahead of them. You know what I mean? Right. It's not even just that like they could play well but like every one of those teams is going to completely screw it up ahead of them. Like the odds are so against them. I think right. what they're, they're like a 1% playoff odds as of today or something like that. The Vikings are too good a team. The Niners are a decent team. The, you know, you can kind of go down this list. No, Chicago's not good. And the NFC East teams aren't good, but like it, they're just enough good teams and they've got to play the Rams again. They've got to play the, the uh, Cardinals again. Like, yeah, maybe they beat the Niners because they have their number. They're going to get Houston. They're going to get Detroit. They're going to get Chicago. So, like, those games are certainly winnable. But you just – needing to be perfect and needing that much help, I think the thought here is, you know, how do, how do you figure out how to get the offense right so that you can use it to build onto something next year and figure out what you're going to do in this offseason? 
Yeah. I have uh, more of a micro question. I'm curious about um, DJ Reed because he's somebody that the Niners had under control. He was a draft pick of theirs. He got hurt. I think he tore his pec in June um, of last summer, uh, summer of 2020. And then the 49ers uh, basically risk allowed him to hit waivers because they didn't want to give him a roster spot. Um, and now he's a starting corner for the Seahawks. And that's obviously a position where the 49ers could use somebody like DJ Reed. So I, just from somebody who watches him at week in and week out, how good is he? He's good. He's feisty, man. What I, I think yeah. what everybody here likes about him is he's just got some feist. Like he, he's a tough little bugger, man. He's not a big, he's not the fastest guy on the, you know, at that position. He's not the best cornerback in the league, but he'll give you his all, man. And unfortunately the other kid they had on the other side, Trey Brown was sort of the same way, a little third round rookie, fourth round rookie, something like that, who, who just, he's not the biggest, fastest, strongest, but he just, they get after you. So I, I think everybody likes DJ Reed. I don't know whether he's a top corner on a good team, but he could certainly play in the NFL. I mean, he, he's got like, he, he, he's got enough feistiness and enough sort of natural understanding of the game to be at the right place at the right time. And when he's wrong, he makes up for it just with hustle. So, you know, it's a shame last year in that playoff game against the Rams, Seahawks got spanked, right? They lost that game to the Rams, but they were kind of on the comeback trail as they always are in the NFL late in that game. And then all of a sudden DJ Reed was running back a punt, ended up fumbling and I honestly think that was the ball game. As bad as their offense was in that game, I think if he doesn't fumble that ball, Russ just kind of does his thing. They get it to one score game. And, you know, I'll take my chances against Jared Goff in a one score game with Russell Wilson. DJ Reed's been good. I, I mean, I think people like him. Here we go. Unmuting, figuring out Zoom <laughs> in December of 2021. Uh, also in the defensive backfield. What's if the up with that Seahawks, cat, man? That cat is like... Dude, he's, like... he's honestly the neediest cat of all time. He's still sitting behind me after I maneuvered him off of my back. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that's what we're dealing with you here. You gotta introduce him to your buddy Carmichael Dave's puppy, that Frenchie puppy, and see if they could get after each other. Oh my God, he, this cat would freak out. He thinks he's so tough, and then the second he comes across any different animal, he freaks out. Um, I got a Frenchie snoring right behind me. Oh my gosh. It's, I got one down here. Oh, this is great. I'm the only one here without a Frenchie. Cool. I got to get on that. I got to get on that the tip. program. Oh, oh nice. my gosh. He's adorable. <laughs> That's Wendell. He's 13. He's an old man. And Roscoe, Wendell's a great dog. He's also an old man. You can't really see him, but yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's black. He's back there. And this is Stefan. Um, okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, Seahawks secondary. Jamal Adams. If the Seahawks could do that again, would they not acquire him? Well, I had Matt Hasselback on my show Wednesday, and he specifically <laughs> said if he were the Seahawks and he could go back and do it over, he wouldn't do it. I, I don't know how you can justify it at this point. Not that Jamal – well, Jamal Adams hasn't been good. But, look, it, it, right now, if the, if the playoffs start today, season ends, the Seahawks have the fourth pick in the draft, and they're handing it to the Jets. I mean, like, you, you, there's no way to justify that. Of course you wouldn't do it again. I understand why they did it, but also had a good caller on, on the show this week who I thought made a really strong point, which is Seahawks have been really reactionary over the last few years. I mean, they had the Malik McDowell thing, second round pick who, you know, fractured his head and, and never played for them. And then they reacted by going out and trading for Sheldon Richardson. And then they reacted by doing a few other things. And mm -hmm. you know, ultimately Cam gets hurt. Earl is Earl. 
and and they felt like they needed to react and get that strong physical leadership nastiness presence on the back end and they gave up a ton for jamal adams did i hate it at the time no and and it seemed like with russell doing his thing and some of the success they were having maybe he'd be the guy to kind of just get that defense right again but he hasn't i mean he's a he's a creative player which sometimes is great but also means he's sometimes not where he's supposed to be he struggles in pass coverage teams have found ways to take advantage of it and as of now i mean you can't justify it. you know even if they were even though the defense is playing better and he's playing okay that's a trade you make to push your team over the top right i mean right. like that's a baseball team acquiring a big bat at the deadline and giving up their best prospect well if you're going to give up the future of your franchise, and in this case, it turns out to be a fourth overall pick or something akin to that, you better make the playoffs, World Series, Super Bowl, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And they haven't done that. Right. I think that's all we got. It's right on. I'll look forward to uh, to playoff baseball back in Seattle soon. <laughs> we all like will. The, the atmosphere. The atmosphere in that stadium was unbelievable. The last the last couple of weeks. It was great, man. I mean, Mariners fans are dormant. They're mad. They're angry. They're bitter. They always say the same old Mariners thing, and they think the team is cursed. And, hey, there's a lockout as soon as the Mariners are supposed to be good, so maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, dude, when this city, this city gets baseball going, it comes alive. This is an event town. And when yeah. the Mariners are good, it becomes an event. Have you gotten into the Kraken yet? I am. I mean, I'm a Northeast guy, so I grew up. I grew up going to more hockey games than anything else. Like I, oh, wow. I'm probably as big a hockey fan as I am any other sport. So yeah, I've been a couple of times, watch every game, talk about it as much as they'll let me a little bit on the show. I mean, like, it's not like the city is fully understanding and able to go like, you know, line changes deep on a, sure. on a, a hockey <laughs> conversation, but we are talking about them a little bit and trying to kind of introduce it to the fan base here to understand like, Hey, the Kraken lost last night, but they lost in a shootout. They managed to find a way to get a point on the road, missing a few top guys against Detroit. It's like, hey, that's a good loss. And there, and there are ways to kind of think about how, how hockey goes. They're fun. Like, it's just, it's awesome having hockey here. And they're going to have a hundred sure. games while everybody's just about the game. Right. Hopefully we get the NBA back there soon, too. Uh, Mike, thanks so much, man. You got it, guys. Anytime. Good to talk to you. Thanks, man. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.